Hi, everybody. This is Scott Holstein with CompuTrolls. I'd like to welcome you to the first episode of CompuTrolls' new Smart Building Podcast. We have a guest for you today that is one of the better-known names in the building automation industry, Ken Sinclair. Ken's going to be talking to us a little bit about the edge uh, building emotion and what's going on at the AHR Expo this year. But before we get into that, I want to let you know a little bit about the format we're going to be using for this podcast and our future episodes. We'll be having guests on the podcast we consider to be subject matter experts on smart building topics. This is not meant to be a CompuTrolls promotional podcast. We're going to be focused on educating our audience on new and existing technology in smart buildings. We'll likely start off with a few question and answer uh, kind of a format, and then from there, let the conversation flow. This may change over time as we start to figure this out, but uh, for the time being, let's get started. We have Ken Sinclair on the line with us. Ken strives to be a catalyst of the IoT future. His goals are to inform his readers of the future of building automation, which will involve the full embrace of IoT. Ken believes that systems will be smarter, self-learning, edgy, innovative, and sophisticated, and that they'll automatically configure and integrate new equipment to optimize themselves, to self-manage, and self-heal while reinventing purposeful, productive, desirable buildings and accommodations. And Ken wants to help grow our only real resource and asset, our younger people, by reaching out to youth with messages about our vibrant, vital, and rewarding industry. Ken, welcome to the podcast. Wow, that's quite an introduction. <laughs> that's a lot of words. I, I I didn't know we were going to have to say them. They they weren't so bad when you saw them on a on an HTML page, but uh, it's a lot of words for you to blurt out. Well, great, Ken. Uh, I really appreciate you being on our on our inaugural podcast um, as one of the bigger names in the building automation industry. I really think that a lot of people view you as one of the major influencers um, for the industry. Of course, uh, you have had AutomatedBuildings.com up for 20 years now. Is that right? That is correct. Wow. We started in um, 1999. Uh, this is our retirement project, so I need to retire from my retirement project. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and, you know, I think people are finally starting to catch up because the building automation industry is getting a lot more exciting these days, but I would say that you were – way ahead of your time, 20 years ago, creating a website like this with this kind of information. I mean, I can tell you as someone who is uh, more recently joining the building automation industry that even three years ago, there weren't a lot of resources for this kind of information. So the fact that you've had this website up for 20 years is really, really impressive. And also, I think everyone in the industry owes you a debt of gratitude for, for getting this conversation started. Well, thank you very much, Scott. That's great. Actually, one of the things I'm kind of proud of that's on there uh, for everybody, and, and since we're we're heading here towards an educational uh, podcast, uh, if anybody wants to just grasp a quick overview of the last 20 years, we have uh, on our education page. There's the evolution of uh, automated uh, automated buildings. And uh, basically, it talks about uh, the early days and the formation of BACnet, the formation of KNX, uh, DALI, uh, even even the use of Ethernet, and how how we came to be where we are. And it basically talks about movements that uh, changed us, like GridWise and Smart Grid, and uh, it's it's in a format of a timeline that you can actually fly over. And uh, if you haven't looked at it, it's uh, it's 
uh, an interesting thing. Uh, Teresa and I originally put it together for our 15th anniversary, and uh, I've basically reformatted it a bit and taken it forward for the last 20 years. So you can actually sit there and you can put it in 3D mode and you can spin over the last 20 years uh, in a blur, and uh, you can see all the little little things that were big things every year that turned into kind of make the industry what it is, and it also involves, you know, our, our ventures into IT and uh, the early days of all of our companies. So, uh, actually, uh, Computrol has been at this for a long time. When did you guys start? Uh, we just celebrated our 35-year anniversary this month. Um, so, it's it's been quite some time. We started as a service company and then, of course, started doing some integration and eventually started making our own line of controls. But I do think that having that history is really important especially when you're talking about bringing younger people into the building automation industry. I think it's important to know where you came from um, to really kind of guide where you're going. Um, and when you have younger folks coming into the industry um, who, who don't have that historical knowledge, all they know is the latest and greatest, I think that there's uh, you lose something there. So I, I love that you uh, and Therese put that together, and you've been keeping up with it and uh, and kind of reformatting it in a few different ways. I think that's an important thing for our, our industry in general is to have that historical knowledge. The other thing is if you poke around and you do a search on the site for Computrols, I think you'll be surprised that in the early days of BACnet, uh, Computrol was, was doing some amazing uh, combining of IT and uh in the internet at that time uh with with what was happening in the by, uh backnet camp and uh there's some some pretty evolutionary interesting articles uh that came out of the computer camp every oh the other thing i might mention is that every article interview news release that has ever been published by automated building is still online so our first wow. uh our first uh article which was uh about the building as a website was was where the thinking was. Uh, the internet was new, and the whole idea right. that a building would have a, uh, a URL and uh, would be, you know, it would we would basically depict the building. And the, the first of the digital twins, I guess, way back when. So a lot of this right. history is is not new. It's been there for a long time. Yeah, and that was uh, revolutionary thinking at that time. Uh, you know, with with the internet really being kind of a newer thing. Um, and I know uh, I've read some of the older articles that were written by uh, Mike Dowell our director of research and development. And, uh, and yeah, it's, it's pretty cool to see how ahead of his time he was in a lot of the, a lot of that thinking, but that's really, you know, it's really, it's really something to have all of that historical knowledge um, to be accessible, you know, for our industry. And, uh, Ken, I think the last time I saw you, you were moderating a session at the AHR Expo. Um, I know that's a big event for you every year. What are your plans uh, for the Expo this year? We actually have uh, nine sessions, if you can believe it. We usually do about four, but uh, uh, Kim Kim is uh, Kim uh, Pierce is uh, the uh, the lady at uh, AHR uh, that organizes these education sessions, and she's really bullish that education is a big part of AHR Expo, and she's been increasing it. And uh, we're kind of jokingly calling it like the the, the traveling uh, 
the pop-up the pop-up education uh, uh, sessions for the uh, industry because uh, most people tend to go anyway. So we're going to have a whole bunch of free education sessions, and folks can show up. Uh, so anyway, just uh, it, actually the, the the quick way is if you go to Automated Buildings Education page, there's a quick overview of the nine sessions. There's actually ten on there because uh, we were originally carrying the one for grid uh, the Gridwise folks, and they basically took it back onto their own, which they should have. But uh, we had to get it going. So that's more the example of us being a catalyst. We we. It, Anything anybody's not doing, we'll do it until they, they come to their senses and take it over and do it themselves. So uh, that's good. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, the general theme is uh, a whole bunch of neat things. Uh, the one is uh, basically building emotion. And we started playing around with this with a few articles. And we use building both as a noun and a verb. And what we're, we find that building has a emotion. It has the emotion of the building is the people that are inside the building, and they all tend to be a community, and they tend to think alike, and they interact, and we need to sense that, and we have the ability now with social media to sense how people feel, and we also, all of our control systems are starting to track people where they go in the buildings and what kinds of things they're doing and even starting to record some of their actions, whether they open the window or whether they close the shade. And then we start to uh, put some of that into artificial learning and stuff. Anyway, so that's uh, that's one facet of it. We've got two, how do I get started in uh, building automation programs uh, that are uh, useful, uh, which would be great, I think, get people started. Uh, Kim was very bullish about that to you know, to try and get people into our industry. We've got one that talks about, uh, I'm very excited about, it's a bunch of young folks under 40 that are uh, putting on a session and it's called Open Hardware, Open Software, and Open Minds. And what it's all about is just the change that we're starting to see in the industry uh, moving to devices that are like raspberries and beagle boards and the open open uh, hardware pro, uh, platforms that we can just download open software into and we can get back into the maker movement, which is sort of some of the stuff we've been writing about now. So anyway, it's, uh, it's good. We have our uh, collaboratory, our uh, uh, connection community collaboratory. This, is, I think, is our sixth year of putting that on, and this is one where we grab up a bunch of industry experts and they all give us a little shot of where they see the industries going, and then we roll it all into an open dialogue. And I, uh, it got rated as for experts only, and I, I don't want to scare anybody away because it's uh, it's certainly a an idea for anybody that's putting together the industry to come and just talk and talk with the other people that are putting together the industry and. You know, like how, how big is voice going to be? How big is video going to be? Some of those big decisions are bantered around the room, so it's really useful. Uh, uh, so we've got uh, another one is the master, master Systems Integrators, and that's got an interesting twist. It gets, uh, it gets pushed into Super Master System Integrators, so uh, uh, that, that whole field is, is evolving fast as well. Yeah, no, lots of exciting stuff. I was just about to say, 
the uh, one of the sessions that I attended a couple years ago was that session where you had a few industry experts and you were moderating. Um, and I was new to the industry at that time, uh, relatively new at least, and I found it to be extremely interesting. Um, there's There was a lot of kind of theoretical discussions about where the industry is heading, and the people that you had in the room were the people that we want to hear from. They were, you know, they were the experts. They were the leaders in the industry. So um, I can definitely vouch for that session. But it sounds like you got a lot of interesting thing coming, interesting things coming up. Um, the building emotion uh, is is new to me. Um, I was reading through some of your articles for uh, this month's magazine, and um, I was hoping you could expand on that. You talked about a little bit how the how, how people interact with a building and, and the, the emotion of the people and the emotion of the building. I was hoping you could enlighten our audience a little bit more on that topic. Okay, I, I think I brought it back from Helsinki. Uh, in fact, I did. Uh, earlier this spring, we went off to, uh, I was invited to the uh, Smart Building uh, Conference in Helsinki and uh, I uh, was actually a speaker and a moderator there. And just rubbing shoulders and listening to what the folks on my panels were talking about, uh, the European approach was much more people-orientated than the North American approach. And uh, so I found that intriguing and started to pull out some of what I thought they were saying. And uh, they were striving to make a stronger connection to the people because they they feel that that is is more important than the technology and you have to kind of give these folks a lot of credit because of course they evolved the cell phone industry and the cell phone industry in my mind is uh, we we all love we all love our devices and we're all very emotional about our devices and we 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 seldom have that kind of emotion about buildings but we should. We should be. We should have a relationship with our building, and so we have to create. And it's like a new fabric. It's like a virtual fabric, which we can actually get our minds around now. And uh, it, so the idea is is that we will get the feedback of the people. And the other thing, of course, that is happening is our buildings are becoming. Uh, People process driven. The measured variable in our building is now people. I mean, it used to be temperature and humidity and stuff like that, but what is the measured variable? The measured variable is the occupant, and we don't even like calling them occupant, they call them the inhabitants, or, uh, huh. because they have to have a stronger, uh, connection with the building. So it's, it's, if we kind of come take a look at our industry and say that, hmm, that's, that's an interesting poke, we need to look harder at these these people we need to have them have more input into the uh, building the other thing is psychologically they're uh you know psychologically they're they're uh they, they want to be involved if they feel they're in control they'll be happier whether they in fact actually change the temperature or not that is not a big issue it's just whether they, if they have the ability to do that. And we've had some success stories, uh, uh, like Comfy that has, uh, has come out and, uh, you know, has, has basically, uh, you know, 
basically gone out and got information from the people and created that uh, created a relationship between the people and the building. And uh, of course, that has been successful in the fact that uh, you know Siemens has uh, has purchased that company and uh, and is actually promoting it, which there was worry that they would just buy it and put it in the closet. But that's not true. They're actually mm-hmm. they're seeing that as a uh, a strong, a strong uh, selling asset is this people connection, and they've actually uh, about the same time I was nattering about building the motion, uh, Siemens came out and and started to move in that direction as well. So anyway, that's that's the uh, it's it's hard to roll it all all into into a few words, but uh, yeah, feel free to read some of the stuff I've written on that. Uh, I've been writing, I guess that's another thing too, in addition to automated buildings, I've been writing for uh, Connected Contractor, which is a uh, a publication uh, that goes out, and uh, it's kind of been a good exercise for me, because it's, instead of running a magazine, I'm back to being the guy writing articles, and it forces me to write two articles a month, and uh, that's a lot, and uh, so... It, but I have the amazing benefit of having a whole bunch of incredibly smart people from the industry writing me, uh, you know, 10 to 12 articles a month. So I'm able to cherry pick those and pull the ideas of, of what people are writing about and writing them into my articles, which, uh, makes me look a heck of a lot smarter than I really am. Uh, and <laughs> I can actually, you know, just, pull pieces of their articles. So I'm, again, I'm the catalyst, the mixer, the maker, uh, candlestick baker, uh, whatever, pulling all this stuff together. Oh yeah. And, uh, and you know, I can, I can tell you as a marketing guy, uh, writing, writing a couple, a couple articles a month sounds pretty doable, right? It's uh, a couple articles a month. How long does it take? A few hours maybe. Um, but, uh, I can definitely, um, relate to you. It's it's not always that simple, especially when you're trying to pull in quality information on a regular basis. Um, but yeah, like you said, you've got a great resource in AutomatedBuildings.com to pull from. And uh, if you're editing those articles, you're you're reading them, so you're you're picking up on a lot of the the latest and greatest uh, knowledge. I think from those industry experts. Um, For sure. So the building emotion thing is is really interesting to me. Um, but something you all, something else you talk about pretty frequently is the edge. Um, the edge is, is is something I think you know uh, newer folks to the building automation industry and uh, and I think you know people who aren't necessarily keeping up with the latest and greatest um, don't know a lot about. I was hoping that you could give us a little bit of background on just what the edge is to start off. Uh, okay, well, the edge, actually, we've got a great, uh, interview this, uh, month, uh, with John Petsy. And, uh, John, of course, is in the, uh, in, in the data business. And, uh, he is helping me define the edge. And, of course, what he does, says right away is, you know, the edge is, is really edge computing. And basically, what is happening is uh, in the evolution of our control systems, if you keep kind of looking where we came from, it's, I mean, we came from head-end systems and, you know, dumb panels, and then we got sort of sort of semi-smart panels, and then we actually had panels that were, man, they're like computers. 
And uh, now what's happened is with the advent of uh, uh, Raspberry Pis and uh, Beagle boards and stuff, we now have full-blown computers in our panels that are basically able to work in natural languages. And uh, so what has happened is the uh, cost has dropped and the technology has moved further to the edge. The processing is done at the edge, the edge being closer to the sensor. So in fact, the sensors and the computing become one and the same and edge devices are evolving and the edge devices are becoming smarter. They basically, they actually are doing the interaction and they start to uh, basically take on the building emotion because they can they can actually uh, do that. Let me, let me give you this example. One of the problems in collecting data about people is people get quite skitterish uh, that that data will be used in another manner. We can actually have an edge device that learns about the people either video-wise or uh, voice-wise or voice print or uh, in, in a, any myriad of, uh, of different ways, but we can actually have it collect all this data. It can do some self-learning. It can even do a bit of artificial intelligence. <clears throat> and then we can purge our data so we don't have that data actually connected to a person. And if we don't send it up to the cloud, which the cloud tends to be uh, the problem, most of the security breaches are usually pulling large pieces of data out of the cloud. So if the stuff never gets sent to the cloud, there is some safety in that. So anyway, so the edge devices, they just become smarter. Uh, they do more things. And of course, the other thing that's happened here is uh, probably a few years ago, we had a collision and we ran into the IoT industry. And I think we kind of went through a period of time where we said, you know, man, this IoT industry is going to consume us. Uh, and now I think the, the leaders have, have basically come to the conclusion the IoT industry is going to save us. It's going to, what we need to do is we need to become the building automation division of IoT. We, we have to think like IoT people. We have to create devices that have uh, uh, um, amazing user interfaces uh, we have to we have to think more like software people, and uh, this is not a this is a thought that a lot of people are doing. Uh, the car companies have had to move from being people who build physical cars to actually being people who are software companies, and they have to support edge technology because the latency of trying to take a car and look at another car and make a decision to put on a brake, uh, if you, you can't do that by sending that information up to the cloud and having it come back again. So you basically right. have to move the intelligence out to the edge. And uh, so we're seeing that same thing in that industry. So the automotive industry becomes the software industry. The building automation industry becomes the software industry. Get over it. We're not, it's not us or IT. We are IT and we need to grow and we need to become that division. And when we understand the 20 years of crap that is on automated buildings, 
that is us. That's why we're different than the IT industry because we understand all those little bits, all those little dampers, all those little actuators, all those little things that have to happen when we have uh, a building a motion reacting through an edge device. Uh, something has to happen, and only our industry knows how to make that happen. But we need to learn more about the IoT collection of data and the creation of the emotion. Boy, that was a sermon in one, wasn't it? <laughs> no, I'll tell you, that was a great explanation of the edge, um, kind of those distributed smarts throughout the building automation systems. Um, and I also kind of like what you were saying um, along the lines of, you know, we all have to be software companies now to some degree or software developers and thinking about how users are going to interact with our technology um, because, you know, we're, we're going to have a hard time making humans more technical. Um, so it's probably better that we make our technology a little bit more human, right? Super. Yeah, I agree. Well, um, you know, you, something you had also mentioned was the security aspect of it, and that was something that was uh, a little eye-opening even for me. Um, you know, I, I think you know, you've seen the, the cloud data breaches, and there's no doubt that there's a lot of uh, risk inherent there. Um, I was reading an article the other day about a uh, about the smart city that Google wants to build. I believe it's in or just outside of Toronto, and there's been a lot of debate um, ethical and otherwise about the security of this data and um, and then associating with individuals. So you had mentioned um, that with these edge devices they can they can learn, but they can also purge data so it's not associated with an individual and therefore not really infringing on privacy as much. Um, can you talk a little bit about kind of where we are as an industry in terms of figuring out where the line is? Yeah, I I think uh, I, I try to simplify everything because I I have trouble grasping the complexities of life, so I have to pull little pieces out and make it simple. And my simple take on the security is it's not so much our problem. Uh, <clears throat> the smart city people have to work it out. The automotive people have to work it out. And uh, whatever whatever security uh, concepts they come up with that they feel comfortable with or public opinion supports, which is probably more to the point, I'm happy with. Uh, I mean, we obviously got to beef up our backnet uh, uh, passwords and stuff like that. We we have we have we have holes in our systems. We can drive trucks through, and everybody knows where they are. We obviously have to fix those. And that's where we should be uh, concentrating our efforts. But as for the final uh, security of, or whether we're going to allow this data to exist, um, and we're starting to see some strong pushback from the Europeans, and I'm definitely not in favor of that because what that's going to do is basically lead us to a situation that we will have two or three or four or five internets uh, basically, uh, and there'll even be an underground internet because even if you, if you, right now the bad stuff exists on the internet and, and if you're smart enough, you can actually go out and find these folks and, uh, make workarounds to stop them from doing what they're doing. Uh, if we in fact, 
uh, you know, drive this all underground, uh, it's going to be uh, like a different situation. So uh, there's a prediction now that like, there will be, you know, a Chinese internet and a uh, and basically a, a a North American. Although we're starting to now see that there could be a European, and uh, you know, so that would, in my mind, would be devastating. Uh, the the most amazing thing of the internet is its openness. And yeah, it reflects life. There's bad guys out there, but there's good right. guys out there too, and we can find each other. It's uh, it's totally a an amazing uh, an amazing vehicle. So I think we have to protect it, keep it free, and keep it open. Yeah, I completely agree with you there, um, and I definitely see that as a potential challenge um, and a roadblock, really, to to this technology all really becoming commonplace. And I'm wondering, you know, what are some of the other challenges that our industry is facing outside of, um, you know, potentially separate internet for different countries and not being able to share information uh, quite as easily? Um, What are some of the other challenges that we have as an industry that you're seeing um, today? Well, I think the biggest one is to... uh, it's hitting us all on the nose right now is is shoring up uh backnet to make it tougher faster uh you know to it basically it was never intended to be an i f t protocol uh it's meant to be right. a field control protocol and it does a great job of that and it's well well received <clears throat> and as it turns out the i t people love it because it is, in fact, extremely well defined and well behaved. Uh, a little, a little more open than they would like. <laughs> but, uh, but that, that aside, uh, it's it's a great and it has uh, amazing penetration as well. So we have most of our projects from the last five years probably are for sure are backnet. Uh, but the problem is, <clears throat> it has to go faster. It has to somewhere along the line. It has to get converted into IoT speed. And how we do that is it's getting done for us. There's many methods of doing that now. And I think what we need to do is we need to work harder as an industry and acknowledge that problem and come up, maybe choose some of the IoT standards and start working with them. Um, I applaud BACnet on that in the fact that they have... uh, Embraced Haystack, which is uh, an amazing uh, nomenclature. Let's let's basically have a common naming system so we can basically uh, machine build uh, products. Um, you know, by by the names and stuff, we can build our graphics. We can actually engineer the system once we have our names. So they've embraced that. They've also embraced Brick, which is another uh, uh, convention that works in that direction. And we're starting to see industry acceptance. And uh, <clears throat> again, in, uh, when I was in Helsinki at the convention, uh, that was one of my messages: is, is that we, if we want to make this all this virtual stuff visible, you basically have to come up with some kind of a tagging uh, scheme, and it's got to be a lot more powerful than what we've been using in the past, and it has to be machine discoverable and it has to be machine uh, that machines can create from it. Uh, so anyway, 
interesting, interesting stuff there. The other thing, of course, in that that's coming up is we have these giant uh, companies that aren't really standards, but they're so big you can't ignore them, and that would be people like Amazon, uh, Google, uh, Apple. Uh, so what they come up and they have their own ecosystems of uh, how they do things and um, uh, the impact of <clears throat> devices uh, uh, like like Amazon uh, Alexa and uh, Hey Google uh, Home, uh, these kind of devices that you actually just talk to uh, and they've made their platforms available so it's extremely economical to include them in our uh, devices like why wouldn't you talk to your thermostat and you can also ask it what the temperature is and ask it anything the internet knows and oh by the way turn the temperature up or or set it back at four o'clock because I'm not going to be here today and and all you know so we start moving into more natural languages and that's kind of another trend that's starting to occur is in our interfaces where we're basically evolving more and more to natural languages. The challenge for the industry, back to the question, I, I keep rambling on and forgetting the question. Anyway, the the challenge for the industry is to try and, I don't think we can ignore any of these things. You can't ignore what is going on with Amazon Echo. You cannot ignore what's going on with Google. You cannot <clears throat> ignore what's happening with um, um machine vision. Uh, we, we're pretty comfortable now talking to devices, but we're not, we're not all that comfortable, but we don't understand how, how they could interact with us uh, from, a, from a visual point of view. M machine vision, the, the fact that every cell phone has one or two or three cameras in it, uh, the, the, uh, it, these become the cheapest devices, and they're able to gather an amazing amount of information. And so all of a sudden, we see vision as becoming a new sensing device for our building automation devices. And uh, it becomes, it's, it's cheaper than a, uh, a light, it becomes a light switch, it becomes a occupancy sensor, it can become a, uh, a face identification device, and all of this falls into a very low-cost device. So we have to understand the evolution of these devices, not run away screaming that somebody's invented this thing and it's going to be the death of us all. That's, that's, not, that's not the thing. We have to understand this new device that works in a manner we can't even imagine. And we need to think, how can we use this device to, to create a greater emotion to our building, to, to provide a greater connection to our buildings? We need to... We need to become the the automated building IoT division. We need to take this technology and uh, and go. I, I, while while we were talking here, I did a I did a search and uh, I came up Mike Donnellan, director of research and development. Two thousand and one. We have an article here. The title of the article is using standard internet protocols in building automation. 2001, Mike Donnellan is writing an article for automated buildings. So you guys all think this is new stuff. 
This is not new stuff. We've been trying to, trying to, only thing is, is it's actually happening now. It's actually what we've been talking about exactly. for 20 years is actually happening. I would love to, uh, I think the next person that you have to have on this podcast, and, uh, and sometime I would love to do a podcast with Mike, because Mike and I had great discussions back 20 years ago, and I'm kind of guessing that uh, <clears throat> if we both haven't lost our mind, we can still probably have great uh, <laughs> conversations. Yeah, I think uh, I think we can make that happen, Ken. We would certainly love to have you back, and uh, I have I do have plans to get Mike on the podcast sooner than later. Um, he's a he's a great resource for you know what's happening in the industry and and where he sees it going, but. I really appreciate you taking the time with us today. Um, it's been a great education. And like you said, I think a lot of these ideas have been out there for a long time and, and the rubber's just hitting the road in terms of the technology. We're finally getting there. And uh, I don't think there's ever been a more exciting time to be a part of the building automation industry. Right, okay. Uh, the other thing that we're winding up to is let me give one plug that later today, the November issue of Automated Building is going online. And the, uh, the theme is edification. And that's just a word I've invented to, to basically talk about how the whole industry is moving to the edge. And we're also now talking edification meets the maker movement, moving the murky, muddled middle to the edge. <laughs> That's the thing I said to him. Well, yeah, and uh, and you know, if you're if you're not familiar already with AutomatedBuildings.com, uh, I highly recommend it. As I mentioned, it's been a resource for the building automation industry for 20 years now, and uh, I highly encourage our listeners to subscribe and, and go there and check out, um, see what we, see what Ken has going on, um, and also you know check out check out the sessions that AutomatedBuildings.com is going to be involved in at the AHR Expo. I think there's uh, a lot of really there are going to be a lot of really interesting talks uh, talks there. And um, you know, Ken, again, we uh, we thank you for you know for being a, a staple in our industry and, and helping educate um, you know new new people um, people who have been around a while and uh, and you know giving that historical knowledge and still continuing today to to really be on the cutting edge of all of these different trends. Um, so with that said, Ken, thank you for coming on the podcast today. We're going to wrap things up here. Um, any last words? Uh, see y'all in Atlanta. See y'all, see y'all in Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> Spoken like a true Canadian. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> all right, Ken. Well, thank you very much. We'll uh, We'll talk to you again soon. This is Scott Holstein with Compu Trolls wrapping up our first podcast. <laughs>